are we really doing this? We're doing it. Ah! Welcome to the Mom Tales and Cocktails podcast. I'm Shelby Lovitz, the fitness and nutrition coach for moms and soon-to-be moms, mom of three, and twin mom. My passion is helping women learn to strengthen their bodies and mind for pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. And I'm Erin Patel, mom of two toddler boys. I work in aerospace and defense doing digital transformation and supply chain strategy, so data is in my DNA. I'm always looking for research-backed solutions to better myself as a mom and as an individual, and I love helping other moms do the same. We're here to give you the tough love, the real and raw truths on motherhood and how to do it all without losing yourself along the way. So sit back with your cocktail or mocktail and get ready to transform your mind, body, and life. Hello, beautiful mom. So today is going to be a little bit different. Not only do we have another amazing expert on today, but we have another guest with us who has experience with the super important topic we're going to dive into today, which is postpartum anxiety and depression. And with that said, today we have Chassie the postpartum nanny who's a coach who specializes in helping moms, whether it's immediately postpartum or years postpartum with depression and anxiety. And we have Erica, a fellow Mom Tales and Cocktails listener who's going to speak to her experience with postpartum and anxiety, postpartum anxiety and depression too. Um, I would say... I'm speaking for Aaron, but I think both of us have definitely dealt with some postpartum anxiety for sure, especially because we're just like type A people. We need to be in control of everything and just having that like perfectionist mindset. But we're just so excited to dive deeper into all things depression and anxiety, postpartum and why it's just so, so important to take control of it and to seek out support. But before we dive in today, what is everyone drinking? Chassie, what are you drinking tonight? Just some little non-alcoholic rosé tonight. Ooh. <laughs> What's the, What kind is it? I think it's like Welch's brand or, you know, just something like that. I can't even remember, but yeah. Nice. What about you, Erica? Got my friend. Blanc right here. <laughs> I love it. Tonight. I'm going Boda Box Pinot Gris. <laughs> Same. Well, not Pinot Gris, but I can't. I can't stop with the Boda Box. The <laughs> the Malbec. It's so good. So good. Um. So. Chassie and I both work with the same business coach. And when I saw her Instagram page, I knew that we just had to have her on the podcast. And in past episodes, we've briefly touched on mental health postpartum and and kind of how that has come up in both of our experiences and just different ways to deal with that. Um, But I'm just really excited to dive even deeper into different strategies on how to deal with that and how to recognize when it's coming up and some of the reasons for it and what it could be rooted in. Um, And Erica had reached out to us 
before because this is something that she has felt passionate about speaking on and really just wanting to bring a lot more light to this topic. I feel like, especially with the amount of information out there and like reliable Instagram accounts, like that's kind of how I I self-diagnosed which is a great starting point, but I'm really looking forward to your expertise and insight to walk us through like what to do next or for somebody who might not be on Instagram um, or any social media to recognize it and then take charge. So I feel like I got to the recognizing portion and then just continued looking at posts for comfort, but not actually doing anything to improve the situation. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to having you on and hearing about you. And of course, Erica, um, I'm so happy that you're ready to be open and transparent and share that rawness with us and our listeners. So thank you for being here too. So before we get into all that, um, I'd love for you guys to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Um, for you, Chastity, what got you into the field? What exactly you do? And then Erica just talked to us about you. All right. Yeah. So I was just telling um, Shelby, I am a mom to five little ones. They're not little. They're growing up. They're ages 12 down to three, um, four girls and one boy. And I struggle with postpartum anxiety and depression after each one of my babies. And it was around my third baby when I finally realized, like, this isn't normal (laughs) to feel this way. Um, I thought it was normal. I thought everything that I was experiencing was normal because that's all I knew. And I just assumed this is how other moms felt. And it wasn't until social media started kind of booming then too, because I'm a millennial mom. So it's like, it's when I finally realized all this information started coming my way. And that's how I actually found out more about postpartum anxiety and depression. And then it led to, okay, I had another baby, still didn't feel better. And then after my fifth baby, I realized I really needed help. And with each baby, it would go away, but it didn't really go away. It was just time healed it versus me actually healing the root cause of it that was coming through every time I had my babies, which led me to finding my own postpartum coach slash therapist. She actually isn't a postpartum coach. She's just a therapist, like life coach and therapist um, who helped me find the deep roots to my healing. And she was like, one day you're going to be a coach for moms. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm a mom of five. I've been a graphic designer too for 13 plus years, um, working from home for the 10 years of that. And so I loved that career and I was doing really well, but something in my heart said, no, you need to go be a coach for moms. Um, and because I wanted to give them the healing that I had, that was so transformative to my life. And it goes all the way back to six years prior to that, which was two and a half years from now. So that was like eight and a half years ago. I was sitting at like a beauty pageant. One of my friends was in the Miss USA pageant and, you know, they have platforms and all of that stuff. And I said, if I ever did any platform, it'd be postpartum anxiety and depression. And then further, you know, future six years and here I am uh, doing exactly what I wanted to do for years now. Manifested it there. (laughs) And I, I just love it. And I'm just so grateful to be here and to be a coach and to help these moms. So, yeah. Awesome. I already have um, questions, but I'll table them yeah. and let Erica introduce herself. <laughs> okay. um, my name is Erica, and I have been married to my husband, James, for 10 years, and we have three girls. So there's a lot of motion in our house. Um, girls are seven, four, and almost one. Next month, I'll have a one-year-old, which is 
like sad to say it's my last my last baby no more got my tubes removed so we are definitely done um but yeah I feel like for me after I had each one of my girls I feel like I had some sort of postpartum anxiety depression but what I can clearly remember is definitely with my second and I had her end of September of 2019 and then five months later COVID hit and the world shut down and I literally thought that I was on the mend and getting better and then COVID hit and I feel like I just kind of spiraled Uh, and I didn't know you know where to turn to I didn't feel like I had a lot of resources especially at that time just because of the way that the world was so I think I just tried to deal with it but trying to deal with it daily and not seeking help just made everything worse. Um, Yeah. So definitely with my first, I feel like I had a little bit of anxiety, but with my second, it was 10 times worse. Um, Like panic attacks, everything had to go to the doctor. Um, Just full blown, like all of that, which I'm sure we'll dive into later. Um, But yeah. So yeah, I have three girls, seven, four and one. Um, I stay home. I was a former teacher. I taught elementary school for seven years and now I teach from home. So I'm just trying to just do it all from home and being home with them. And yeah, it's a, it's crazy. My husband, and I just bought an 1880 farmhouse that we are completely renovating before we move in. Like we're not doing the work, but we're having it done. So yeah. So we're looking forward to that. That's like our next journey. Um, so we have That's to sell that and then feet. sell our, <laughs> mountain house that we have so it's just like this year I'm trying to get through without having all that anxiety but different type not not really postpartum but just a different type just a lot of change so yeah so I'm excited to be here and thankful that Shelby and Aaron allowed me to come on and speak about this topic because I feel like it just hits me it's just it's so close to heart um just because of everything that I've gone through times three So yeah, I'm just really thankful and happy to be here. So thank you. Thank you. We're excited to have both of you here too. Um, So now that we know a little bit more about both of you, we want to dive into some more of the specifics of not only how Chassie can help moms, but why taking control of postpartum depression and anxiety is so, so important. Um, so Chassie, tell us a little bit more about exactly what postpartum anxiety and depression is and some signs to maybe look for. And also like, is there a difference between that and kind of like the baby blues and what that really looks like? Yeah, I actually took a little note. So if you see or you you guys see me looking, just so you know, <laughs> because there's, there's a lot there's a lot of symptoms. But I first want to start with like baby blues and there's actually baby pinks also. Um, so there are 80 percent of new mothers will have baby blues or baby pinks. Baby pink is very low percentage. And we'll just start with that one because it's the most unknown one. But baby pinks is you actually are super excited and joyful and happy to a point where you are just always like not yourself excited and happy all the time. Like and almost manic seeming. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah. I've had two friends who actually experienced that and they're like the first six months they're on a high, just like a high. Mm-hmm. And then they hit a depression. Like it hits them um six months later. 
Um, so baby blues, 80% of new moms will have that. Baby blues is your normal, like, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, I'm this is a big change. Um, you could have some mood swings, some insomnia, crying, and nervousness of like lack of trust in yourself just because you've never had this baby before. And it's like, okay, this is a big adjustment. Now, postpartum depression and anxiety, and I usually say it that way versus postpartum anxiety and depression, but that's just it doesn't matter either way. <laughs> the books have it a certain way. Um, is all those symptoms, but you add in helplessness, hyperactivity, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, obsessiveness, disorientation, intrusive thoughts, hopelessness, lack of control, and just a general like loss of reality. Um, postpartum depression, anxiety last can can you can get it between zero to one when your baby's zero to one, and you can have it up to three years, but some women even have it up to seven years. Whereas baby blues just last two to four weeks. So that's the biggest difference is if you're still experiencing those symptoms from two weeks on or four weeks on, you're definitely experiencing something deeper than just post, you know, baby blues. And you definitely want to seek out help and support. Um, and also when you're done breastfeeding, like a year or two later, you can it triggers postpartum depression and anxiety also um, because the hormones change so much again. So there's all these reasons why, but of course we can talk more about that. I don't know if you want me to go into like why yet, but is that, are you ready for that? I have a question about like the timeline Mm -hmm. in your experience. So I had my kids like basically back to back. They're 16 months apart. So I was, my first son was seven months old when I found out I was pregnant with my second. And do you tend to see that like a pregnancy like soon after kind of like numbs some of that and then it hits again because I feel like I don't know if I just like don't remember like a lot of that world just because like I don't know there's a lot going on um but I remember like definitely having the postpartum anxiety symptoms after Ari but then I feel like once I got pregnant like I don't remember feeling that like I felt a little bit more stable and then it resurfaced again after Zane was born. So I don't know if like something in the body like does some numbing during that period or if it just went away or something. Yeah. So what happened is since you got pregnant, that's just so newly postpartum, even like seven months, your body changed hormones all over again into like these higher hormones. And where after you have a baby, it drops super quickly. So you lose that progesterone drops and all those different hormones um, to the point where it causes a lot of these shifts and changes. And this happens on purpose because after you have a baby, you purposely go into survival mode. It triggers your fight or flight response to protect your baby and yourself. And that is a feeling that you felt other times in your life, possibly. So it triggers that, but also any time in your life where you were in survival mode from childhood and on. So when you're experiencing this postpartum depression, anxiety, you're not just feeling emotions, present emotions, or even future emotions, meaning your intrusive thoughts, anxiety, anxieties. You're also feeling past emotions coming through. And here you are trying to protect your baby, but you were a child once and maybe you didn't fully feel protected then. So what happens is you were in survival mode up until that seven months, which means if you're in survival mode, your rational and logical part of your brain do not connect. Okay. So if you're in a heightened survival mode, the fight or flight response, it disconnects you from the rational part, which is the front part of our brain um, from the emotional part. So literally you don't remember it because you're in survival mode, taking care of your baby. Okay. So I might have actually still had it, but I just have no recollection of it. Or Correct. 
Okay. Yeah, but your body remembers everything that you endured and went through. So don't forget that the body remembers, even if the logical mind does not remember. And usually your subconscious remembers, but it's just not consciously there as a memory for you. But I feel like even now, two and a half years after having my second son, like I don't always feel back to normal yet. Yeah. Like there's still a lot there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that, a lotness there is, I mean, so I like to say my coaching is what's different about me versus a therapist or other people in general or other coaches is I believe in not just mindset. I believe in full body healing. So you heal from the feet up and the body has and holds the trauma, the triggers, the pain, the emotions, whereas the mind is just trying to make sense of it. And our mind and does try to create emotion, but usually it comes from the body first and then the mind connects to it. And it's like, oh, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling depressed. Um, remember emotions are energy in motion. Okay, so it's literally trying to get us to do something. So that's why a lot of the times we're like feeling these emotions and where you feel overwhelmed by them to the point we have an anxiety attack, but it's literally just your body's way of releasing this energy versus you being able to have control and push it somewhere else. And so that's what I teach inside my coaching is how to heal the body and not just the mind with the postpartum depression and anxiety. So interesting that you say that because I feel like in a lot of situations, I'll say like, I feel like my heart and mind are disconnected and I'm waiting for my mind to catch up. Like logically, I know what makes sense, but I'm not like that connection isn't there yet. So that is like validating, I guess, from that thought process of like truly what I'm feeling in my body is happening and I am waiting for my mind to catch up. Yeah. Which can also add to more anxiety because you don't feel like yourself because that, Mm -hmm. that connection keeps disconnecting and your heart is your soul. Right. And so if we're disconnecting from that, then we can't fully trust ourselves either, which makes more shame or thoughts of mistrust of how can I care for this baby if I'm having these thoughts or if I'm feeling Mm -hmm. this way. Right. So it adds to more of those emotions and we can feel two or three or four emotions at one time, but emotions only last 90 seconds long. Did you know that? (laughs) So they only last 90 seconds long, but when we add other emotions to it, that's when they prolong and last longer, causing us to have all day anxiousness or depression is because we're adding really deep emotions such as resentment, anger, rage, and other things that are occurring at the same time of us blaming ourselves for why we feel that way when it's never our fault while we have depression or anxiety. Um, I think it was funny when Erin was saying how, or not, I shouldn't say funny, but it just made me think, when she was saying how she was numb, like you couldn't remember or couldn't feel that time after, was it, did you say when it was when you got pregnant, you had your voice marked back, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I can't remember anything regarding having my second daughter. Uh, Her name's Emma and she was the one that was born right before COVID happened. And I feel like I can remember everything with my first, who is almost seven and a half. And obviously with my last because she's almost one but anything involving my middle emma like i I just i can't remember anything and i think it's because i was so full of anxiety and depression and out of it that i just mentally just blocked everything or that's just what i tell myself i don't know maybe you chastity know a better reason but you know even when my husband's like well what did we do with emma you know because we're trying to remember you know when did we give her milk because I'm still nursing her. She's going to be a year 
next month on St. Patty's Day. And I'm like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't remember like anything about her. And I feel so like horrible. Like she's going to ask me all these questions. I'm going to be like, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, But I just feel like her first like year of her life, like year, year to a half, I feel like I just blocked everything. And like I said, I feel really guilty because I feel like I wasn't in a good mental state. And then, you know, I, I just, she's going to ask questions and I'm like, I remember everything about my seven-year-old that was born in 2016, but going back to that 2019, 2020, yeah, I just, it's all like numb and everything's just, just blocked out. So yeah, I don't know if you like know why that happens or if it was just because of where I was mentally. We need to remember that anxiety and depression is the block of protection. That's exactly what our body is doing is trying to keep us safe. And when I mean safe, I don't just mean physically safe. I mean, emotionally, spiritually safe. So we have anxiety and we have depression because it's literally our body's way of protecting us from feeling what we aren't feeling. So you didn't want to feel the sadness or you didn't want to feel the loneliness or you didn't want to feel that. So your body kept running away from it. That's anxiety. Mm -hmm. Same with depression. You don't want to feel it. So you literally go numb. The body goes numb to the point of you sleeping or, you know, you just feel like you can't even get out of bed. It's like climbing a mountain or it feels like you're going to climb a mountain to even do the laundry or to put the dishes away because it's truly your body's way of being like, hey, I'm shutting down. So you feel nothing right now because because you have to feel to heal. And if you aren't sure how to do that, you're going to keep having anxiety and depression until you understand why your emotions are protecting you and why they're protecting you and where and how to protect mm-hmm. yourself. So most all, so um, depression, you can be born with depression. Okay. So are your kids going to have depression? If you have mental health in your family and in your history, it's epigenetics, which means like literally if your grandmother was in the world war or whatever, like it went to your mother and then you and so forth. And we literally have it like in our cells, but not necessarily like passed down. So just remember your mom is in your grandma and you were in your mom. That's three generations of feeling that trauma in their bodies. So you were born with, you can be born with depression, but anxiety is never, no one's ever born with anxiety. It's only created in childhood from ages zero to seven years old. So (laughs) with that, we, if you're someone who is a type A people pleaser, perfectionist, um, always striving to do your best, struggle with self-trust, struggle with loving yourself, X, Y, Z, all of that was created in childhood from ages zero to seven, which has created patterns in your life now to the point of now that you're a mother, guess what you're doing? (laughs) Trying to be this perfectionist type A person, which isn't possible. And the reason you did it um, in childhood is, for example, um, I have so many clients that come in and they're like, the best way for me to, my mom to see me or to like love me was when I would clean the house. And so they have perfect houses today because subconsciously their brain thinks they're not safe or they won't be seen or loved unless their house is fully clean. So you put on these high expectations on yourself, causing this postpartum depression, anxiety, along with, of course, the tiredness, the overwhelm, the hormones, um, your, just your family, like finances, relationship with your husband or partner, whomever, like all of these add to it. And so that's why it's like not just one thing, but the biggest part of 
postpartum depression, anxiety that so many people aren't talking about um, is very nuanced is the childhood traumas or unhealed emotional pains that you felt in your past, which layers upon in motherhood. Because guess what? Each time your child turns an age, your body remembers you at that age. And any pain that you had at the age, you're going to relive it as your children start growing up. Unless you heal your your childhood wounds or whatever is occurring and happening. Now, some people aren't going to believe in this. <laughs> they're not going to believe it. We call it inner child healing. And they're going to be like, that's not how you heal. But that's how I healed. I'm a personal testimony of that. That's how my coach coached me through my postpartum depression anxiety. Because every baby came back every single time. Why did it keep coming back if I was healed from it? Because I hadn't healed the roots and the roots that were created in my childhood that were adding to the shame as a mother and pains. It's wild. Yeah. So can you, I have like two questions that are unrelated. Can you first explain the difference like from depression and anxiety, like how, how do you recognize one or the other? Is there like different ways to kind of cope with either one? Yeah. Yeah. So anxiety is, it's hard because there, some of them overlap. So depression, you can be depressed, but still functioning where you, or you could be under functioning, right? Where you don't function. So you're like the sleeping, but you could be high functioning depression, which means you're able to still do the things you need to do, but deep down you're hollow, right? You're, you just feel hollow. You, like I said, you feels like everything feels like a mountain, but you're showing up because we're, we're moms. We have to show up. We have to take care of the kids because that deep desire and that love and connection you have for your child pushes you through every single day. But that doesn't mean you're joyful or you're happy, right? And maybe there's that anger and rage coming through that us moms are very, not proud of at times <laughs> with ourselves, which it's normal, by the way. Um, and then anxiety is more so the anxious thoughts about your child or your baby or yourself. You're afraid of self-harm. You're afraid of uh, maybe you're obsessed with your doors always being locked. Maybe you're always thinking about your baby breathing. Um, when they're sick, you're highly anxious. Um, other moments like that, that is the anxiety. And you're always living in the future. So you're always thinking of the future of like, what if we don't get the diaper and then we forget the wife's and then we get there, right? It's like all these thoughts keep happening. That is your anxiety that's occurring. Um, and, and so, yeah, so that's kind of the difference between anxiety and depression. So coping, um, we'll start with anxiety. Uh, a lot of the times is learning how to be conscious of when you're anxious, being aware of when your body's feeling anxious and connecting the brain back to the logical part first from the emotional part that's occurring. So you like take two deep breaths, four seconds in, eight seconds out. And there are tools all over the internet for you to find ways to connect back to the logical part of your brain when you're in the survival mode. But we're moms, our hands are always full and there's always something going on. So everything that I teach inside my programs is very, makes sense for moms because we have our hands full. So it's like take two deep breaths, four seconds in, eight seconds out. And what we're trying to do is connect the brain to the logical part. So then you can be like, I'm anxious right now. Why am I anxious right now? What is occurring? What is happening? And then a lot of times, if you have, um, how do I explain that? If you have like, like fear is canceled by 
uh, if you're able to have a solution, I guess that's how I'm going to say it. Um, so if you have a solution, so maybe you calm the brain down to calm the body down, you then create a solution of why you're feeling that anxiety. Okay, I don't want to forget the diaper bag. I'm going to put the diaper bag in the car so I don't forget it, right? So it's just calming the brain down in that way. But I have a method that I've created called called the Brave Mother Method, and it's our past, present, and future. And what we're doing inside this method is once you've done your two deep breaths, I ask you to think back to your past. When was a time you felt this anxiety before? And this is what we do a lot of in my coaching is figuring out these roots that are occurring from your past adding to the anxiety that's occurring and happening. Then we go to the present. What's happening right now causing me anxiety? Well, my baby might fall off the couch, right? So that's happening. But then the past anxiety is you saw your little brother fall off the chair when he was little. So then your body's like, oh, I remember that. And then the present is you see your baby about to fall. And then the future is, but if they fall, they're going to get hurt and they're going to break their head or skull, right? So all those things are happening at one time, causing your anxiety, to be overwhelming and panicky. But if you can calm it down before it escalates and before you spiral with these solutions and your body understanding why you're feeling that, then everything calms down (laughs) in that moment. So I do a lot of that past, present, and future of where it's coming from, asking yourself these questions so that you can calm down the body. Now with depression, so kind of an anxiety also, of course, there's ground. You can go outside and walk. You can put your feet, you know, in the sand or in the grass. You can exercise. You can journal. You can do things you love that's artistic or creative. All of that will help lower your anxiety. Um, but if you have a new baby, of course, that's harder to do. So maybe it's just a little walk or something like that. Now, depression, this go, this is a hard one because it's very individualized um, because some of us, if we're high functioning, depressed, we actually need to calm down. We need to lay on the couch and be still and be quiet. But we're afraid to do that because if we slow down, our bodies will feel these feelings that we don't want to feel. Now, if you're under, you know, not able to get off the couch and you're sleeping all the time, then you're the person who needs to go for the walk or be go to lunch with a friend or go get a drink. All right. So it just depends on what you're feeling and what brings you to feel more like yourself in that moment. Wow. Love that. <laughs> um, what if you can't remember stuff? Like, I feel like that's the hurdle. Like for a long time, I'm like, I don't understand. Like I had such an amazing upbringing, blah, blah, blah. Like, but it's only now recently that I kind of realized where a lot of like the source of my trauma came from. But I don't remember like all the specifics. Like, I don't know if I could find like a specific point in time or a story that I'm like, that's the connection to today. Like, do you often see people like not being able to. Yeah. And yeah. That memory. Yeah. That's what the cool part about my coaching is. As you start healing, the subconscious starts allowing you to remember because then it's ready to heal. The body won't heal unless it's ready to feel. And as I go through my coaching, none of them, probably 50%, maybe even less, remember their past. And we have to remember trauma isn't just like a big event or even um, about our parents. Like, yes, we were raised a certain way and we had amazing childhoods, but there could have been a time where it was very minuscule to what your parents thought, but it was actually a big deal to you. For example, say you're a little girl and your parents, their way of parenting was when you had a tantrum, they put you in your room. Okay. That 
hurt your nervous system. That hurt you because you felt abandoned and you felt lonely. And that's what they always did. And so now you're afraid to be by yourself or go into a room or whatever it may be. And it's not because you had bad parents. It's just that's how they parented. That's how they parented. And But you're sensitive and that emotionally disrupted you. And so we have little T's and big T's. We have little traumas and big traumas. Little T can be your neighbor's dog died or your little brother fell off the stool. It can be those little T's that made you upset and you weren't able to be emotionally supported after that happened. Big T's are, of course, birth traumas and accidents and other deaths and all those things that occur and happen that of course add to um, those unhealed wounds. But yeah, they do come out as you start talking about them and as you start feeling them and healing them with time. A lot of work to do. <laughs> That's yeah, okay. I was, I was um, like really, so when I had, when I had my daughter, it was scheduled C-section, my third, um, March 17th and six days before I had her, I had a friend um, pass away on, she was in an ATV accident. She was with her husband and six other couples and they somehow hit a tree and they both, yeah, she just died instantly. And I was literally just had had dinner with her two weeks earlier. So for me, it was just the thought of like, okay, like she passed literally six days before and here I am like about to bring like life into the world. So it was just trying to just wrap my head around that. Um, and she worked at the hospital where I delivered my daughter and she was supposed to be there and was supposed to, um, you know, come and see me and see the baby. So that was, that was hard too. Um, but it ended up last year that I had four deaths this past year in 2023. Um, three others were in the family and then she was the first in March. Um, the rest were later throughout the year. So yeah, it was just a hard year, but now it's just hard because I associate now Lily, my daughter, like with, like, I, f- I feel like every time I look at her, it's like, she's, she's almost one. So I associate her, like her age. And now I feel like I'm going to associate, associate it with my friend Amanda's death. So it's like, how do I, you know, just, and I feel like as time goes on, hopefully like I'll be able to heal from that, but I was honestly surprised I didn't have more postpartum issues because of all of that. Um, But just recently within this past month, my husband was like, you have to go back to therapy. Like, I feel like you're not doing as well as you like thought you were. So I feel like maybe now it's just resurfacing or it's just coming up now that like she's a year and becoming more independent and maybe, you know, she just doesn't like need me as much. Um, but yeah, so he, like, like anniversaries of anything can be very triggering just yeah. alone without. Right. So like all of this, yeah. and now I'm like, okay, like, I feel like every time I look at Lily, you know, and it's not like every time I look at her, but I just feel like each milestone birthday, it's like, okay, like March 11th and then March 17th. And yeah. So, but my husband was like, I feel like you need to, you know, you need to start seeing Diane. She's a therapist. I see, I used to see her in person, but now it's virtual. And, um, yeah, so I feel like it was good for like him to recognize that like you need this, like you are not yourself. Like I see those, and I do take um, anxiety medicine as well, so I take that daily. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he was just like you. You need you to can see I, her again. Can so. I? Can we talk about it for a second? Are you guys open to this? Like for a second, just talking. Yeah. What was her name? What was your friend's name? My friend uh, Amanda. 
Hoffer mm -hmm. was her okay. last name. And what was her, what was her, what was she going to do for you at your birth? Like, what was her, what were you expecting from her? Like, what were you wanting her to do at your, the birth of her? Um, so she worked at the hospital. She was a labor and delivery nurse. So mm -hmm. she wasn't going to be um, in the surgery with me, but she, so I had my surgery on a Friday. So she was working Saturday. So she was like, oh, I'm going to come in and visit you and, you know, see you. I'll say hi to James. Say hi to the baby. And um, yeah, long story short, I've just, I've known her for a while. I taught her son um, eight years ago uh, when he was in first grade. So then we just kind of become friends ever since. She was the only one, I have to laugh, she was the only parent that I ever had that gave me a wine and spirits gift card, which is in PI, like that's where you go, like the wine and spirits stores. So yeah, she was the only one that got me that. I'm like, who? Like she knew that I needed wine, like being a teacher, like she was amazing. But anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, we just, you know, have been friends. Like we weren't like, I don't, I, we weren't like super close. Um, but we started reconnecting and then we went and got dinner like literally two weeks before the accident. So I think that's what makes it so hard. Cause it's like, I, I felt this guilt that it's like, why was I with her? Like I invited her to dinner and like, why did I, you know, like she has four kids. So it's like, she should have been with her kids, like not going out to dinner with me. So yeah, but I've like gotten over that. Like my husband's like, you, you, you don't even know, like no one knew this was going to happen, this accident. Like, so you can't, can't think like that. So yeah. yeah. The guilt. Let's talk about the guilt and how much guilt you're still feeling. And I feel like that's what you're holding on to that you need to move forward to heal is healing that part of you that says there's guilt there when there shouldn't be guilt, except only love for everything yeah. you did for her and the life like you guys had together as friends and um, her not being at the birth that does re-trigger it. And like you said, the anniversaries, but there's a deeper wound underneath that, that I'm not sure yet, because we'd have to talk longer. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's underneath that. And um, you can have the memory without the emotion when you're ready, but I don't think you're ready yet. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah, it's still so fresh. So yeah. I'm just trying to focus on, you know, planning my daughter's first birthday, but then I also like have this, I feel like, yeah. you know, her, one year anniversary is coming up too. So that's, that's hard. Um, and her husband survived, but he's definitely not the same. He's a lot of yeah. issues he's trying to overcome too. So yeah, just honor her too. And the one yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely make that day like about her yeah. and like my daughter's birthday, of course, you know, about her when the time, when the day comes for sure. So. I'm so sorry that happened. Thank you. And I know that you're going to carry her legacy in her heart because you already I can already feel it right now so just know that that guilt you're feeling I know she doesn't want you to feel that way about yourself and just like love yeah. yourself and just be like wow I was so lucky to know her and for yeah, her to be definitely. part of my life and she was at that birth maybe maybe that was through soul and I, I feel that but, like yeah and and my third baby was like she was so easy like I, I feel like maybe that's part of why I haven't had like a lot of postpartum issues like she's such a good baby literally like five weeks was like sleeping through the night and I've like did Amanda do this like I feel like is she is Amanda in her like this is crazy yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like thank you Amanda I'm like you sent me like an angel baby so yeah it's crazy yeah. sometimes I think that I'm like she just knew I needed an easy one so my first two are not very easy <laughs> so, agreed. agreed yeah thank you for sharing that 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Because I'm sure a lot of us have stories like that of memories of their child's birth and like what happened around that time. Um, and that yeah. they're still maybe lingering or holding on to, especially deaths and friends and things like that. So. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, you know, hard being in the hospital and I was in there for like four days, you know, C-section, you're in there longer. And I went, um, cause her name was Amanda, like people called her Panda. That's her nickname. And I had bought so, this pant, like, thank God for Amazon. I bought this Panda and I gave it to like the, the Panda stuffed animal and I gave it to the labor and delivery nurses. Like I'm like walking my, my husband's like, you're not supposed to be walking this. I'm like, no, I'm walking this down to labor and delivery and I'm giving it to the nurses. It's like a little, you know, like, it's like have this in memory of Amanda. So, so yeah, so it's just little things, you know, here and there to, um, yeah, just remember her and honor her. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Love that. So I know Chassie, you Mm -hmm. were, um, and thank you, Erica, for sharing all of that. Um, I know you touched a little bit on like changes in hormones and stuff. So how much of this could be like hormone, just like hormone related or like the deeper things that we're <laughs> talking about? And how is there like a way to know the difference, I guess? Yeah. So a lot of the clients that come in my world have been to therapists and also have been on medication and they're still not feeling better. And they still like they're feeling better and they're coping and they're living life and they have tools and they're doing amazing, but they're looking for something deeper of of feeling good again or truly finding themselves again. And so I don't have a statistic or anything like that of a percentage of this is you're from your blood, you know, your hormones, this is from lack of sleep. But of course we know sleep is number one, the greatest medicine on earth. So sleep is, is always priority. But if you are a new mom and you are feeling any of this that we're talking about today, the first thing I would recommend is going and get a blood test. Where's your thyroid at? Usually thyroid deficiency is like the number one cause of like medically a postpartum depression, anxiety, um, and can cause anxiety, lack of appetite, different things like that. So get your hormones checked or your thyroid checked and do blood work. Second, you know, take the medication, like that's your lifeline. Okay. So if medication is what you need, like, and to start feeling better right now, take medication, go for it, like allow yourself to start figuring out some things. And we have to remember like, medication's amazing and it's that lifeline and that support but at the same time it's not fully healing the root right like at some point there's still not going to be some healing that we're missing because while medication has amazing abilities to help us and support us sometimes it does make us not feel as much either um but that's the point so that you're not feeling so much so you're not spiraling into anxiety attacks and different things like that um but the thing is when we're not able to fully feel what we're actually dealing with all the time then it's harder to heal that because you're just kind of suppressing it or the body's suppressing it not a bad thing for some people they can't afford therapy they can't afford coaching like it's not an option so it is their only lifeline and that's why i'm so grateful for Western medicine, but as a postpartum coach and myself personally, I wanted, I don't know how to explain it other than like, I felt like there was a way to heal um, more holistically versus medication. For me, I was afraid of medication. 
um, because my body does weird things with medication. And so I was like, how can I heal from postpartum depression, anxiety? How can I feel more like myself? And my family was totally against therapy, still are. So that's an interesting topic. And so here, this is the work that I'm doing. And none of my family supports me um, in this work. And it's, it's one of those things I was told my whole life, don't go to therapy. We don't tell our secrets or whatever you want to call it. And you're going to be fine. Just like pull up your pants and get back to work, you know, just like move through it. And so this has literally been a complete 180 of my life um, doing this work and sitting here in front of you guys today, actually. Um, So, so many of my moms, like I said, have psychiatrists, therapists, and they still work with me because they're like, okay, they're helping with some daily coping stuff. but I need like the deep stuff. And I help them connect those roots of the deep stuff that's occurring and happening. I'm like so shook by that. Like, (laughs) and you're still sitting here smiling. And I feel like for you, that has to be somewhat of a source of anxiety. Like, or I've done a lot of work. (laughs) I've done a lot of work. I guess just like you have to to compartmentalize and not let their feelings impact your work, which is amazing that you're able to do that. But that's just wild. Just a week ago, my mom says, I don't talk to anyone about what you do. Oh my gosh. And how you do it and what you do. Yeah. And my mom and I are close. Like she literally lives half a mile away from me. Like we're super close, but it's just a agree to disagree relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's so cool too, about when you're healing postpartum depression, anxiety, especially my programs, it's not just for now or after your baby, it's forever tools to not only understand yourself, but understand other people and why they're hurting. Hurt people hurt people. And everyone has trauma inside of them. And so I understand when my mom's telling me those things, I know her past and I know what she's, why she's hurting. And when she says those things to me, it's nothing about me. It's her and her own trauma and her own issues and her own unhealed emotions that she hasn't worked through herself. And so that's how I can do it and how I'm sitting here. And I've been through a lot of healing the past three and a half, four years. And I still have a coach myself because we all have stuff (laughs) that comes up Mm -hmm. and you'll forever heal. Healing never ends, but it gets easier because you start understanding yourself better and your body and why your body does the certain things that it does. And each wound has multiple layers to it. Because remember, you had it from ages zero to seven, which means you probably felt it once and then you felt it many other times after that in another way or form. And so there's lots of layers to heal. So I'm sure stuff you felt in high school, you actually felt that in your childhood and you maybe don't even remember it. Um, and so that's why it's it's a forever healing process. I'll think, oh, I'm healed. I'm doing so great. And then all of a sudden something will hit me. I'm like, where did that come from? I have to go fill this and heal this, right? And it's not like an overnight feeling and I'm healed. It's the it's little shifts and it's like one day I'll wake up and that thing that used to make me anxious doesn't anymore and it shocks me. And I'm like, wow, I'm not anxious anymore. My body finally healed that from the inside out. It's like both parts optimistic and daunting. Like to know that with all those layers, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to put in so much work in order to heal. But once you're at that place, it's so worth it. So worth it because now I'm not pushing any of my emotions on my kids. As in, That's I like still my get biggest angry. thing. Like I am like committed to being a cycle breaker, but I, I know, or I think I know, like the right things to bestow upon them. But I know wholeheartedly I haven't done the work on myself. Mm-hmm. But I almost wonder if I use 
not them as a distraction or excuse, but like because I put so much energy into like doing right by them and changing things and making sure that their mental health is preserved and taken care of that I don't do it for myself. So, man. And it actually give you more time and more mental space when you do the work fully, because now I can sit here and I go to bed at night. And even though I messed up, I know how to repair with my kids. Like if I yelled at them or I mean, I have five kids and I do have a husband, by the way, I didn't mention that I've been married 16 years almost. (laughs) I do have a husband, but I'm also a military wife and pilot wife. So my husband's like never home. So I am a solo parent 85% of the time. And so with that, like I had to heal myself because I couldn't stand looking in the mirror of who I was and what I was putting on, I'm going to cry, on my five kids and postpartum. And the transition of motherhood was the exact thing I needed to want to be a cycle breaker and to find myself. And I am different than my family. And me trying to fit into that mold was actually pulling me away farther from myself. And now that I'm me and I'm doing this work and I'm helping so many other mothers and even fathers, I coach couples and fathers also, the work that I've already done, I've already seen it like generationally impacting and ripple effect and then it's just like when I see that I'm like how could this not be what I'm doing I feel so pulled to it and I feel like God has put me here for for this purpose um Mm -hmm. is to help and do this work and so every day I can go to sleep and be like I'm not a perfect mom but man I love my kids and they know that and not just that I've repaired so when I messed up and yelled at them I know that I need to go say I'm sorry did mommy scare you I own that emotion and then we hug and we love. And like, that is the most important part of mothering. It's like releasing that shame and guilt because it is not our fault and we're not perfect and that's okay. And our kids need to know that it's okay because then they're going to grow up being perfectionists and feeling like they can't do anything right. And you literally will not allow, like, I can't perpetuate that cycle. I cannot do it. It's definitely a cycle like I had growing up. Like my mom definitely has OCD. My sister and I talk about it all the time. We're like, she's undiagnosed OCD. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. everything has to be perfect. Like her house has to be perfect, spotless. And like I used to, like when my parents would be coming over, I'd be like, okay, I have to vacuum. I have to do this. Like, but now I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like I have three kids. Like if you don't like my house, like I don't really care. This is, you know, my life. Yeah. It's the house is a mess. It's just a shit. It's a shitstorm usually, like, (laughs) but like, it's my life and I love it. And like, they're kids and like, I want our house to look lived in and have memories and, you know, it's not going to be perfect. But like my sister and I, it's funny, she's four years older than me. But as we're getting older, like we talk about our childhood and we're like, yeah, we used to tiptoe around because we'd be afraid of like, you know, pissing mom and dad off or we'd be afraid of, um, you know, saying the wrong thing, or it's just funny how like she feels the same emotions that I do. And we say like, we don't want this for our kids. She has three kids as well. We're like, we're not, we're not going to do this. Like we're going to break this. Like we literally say like, we're going to break this cycle. So proud of you guys, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, we're not going to be like our parents. Like my parents used to yell at me all the time. They used to yell at my sister. Like we're not going to be like that. And I used, I feel like before I started taking my anxiety medicine, I used to yell like all the time. I feel like at my oldest, and that's when I knew, like I went to my husband, I'm like, something's wrong. Like I can't, like I need to be on medicine or I need to 
see like a counselor because like I, I feel like I'm yelling at her all the time and I don't want her memories Just doing exactly what you were used to. Yeah. Like, but I don't want her memories to be like what my mm-hmm. memories are of like me. Like, I mean, my parents are great. Like they're very like they love us. They do a lot for my sister and I. But like, that's what my memories are. And they never said I love you to my sister and I like I like I know that they do, mm-hmm. but they never said it. So like, that's something my husband and I are like, we say, like, when we got married, we're like, okay, like, we're going to take what we like from like, his upbringing was not the greatest parents got divorced, like he has all this stuff and like, what I didn't like from my upbringing, and how can we bring this together? Like, what do we like? What do we not like? And what? How can we, you know, raise our children the way like we think that they should? And what can we break from, from growing up? So from what our parents did? But I feel like it's hard and, you know, I don't think you guys are united front though is a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things too with like this, I don't want to call it a new way of parenting, but I feel like it is kind of a new way of parenting of like committing to being a cycle breaker Mm -hmm. is making sure that you're both on board and committed to the mission because I know in our house, like while someone might say that they're committed to the mission, like the actions don't necessarily always follow through. And I know that like, it takes time and it takes energy to like change things, but yeah, definitely being on the same page, at least marching to the same mission is the only way you're going to get there and having that consistency between the two of you or not the only way, but it is an easier yeah. way to get there for your kids. It's taken a while. I mean, we're like night and day with our upbringings, but at least that was something like we agreed on, like the way we want to raise the girls and things we want to say to them and the things, you know, we don't want to do and we do. And like my husband will catch me and be like, okay, like you're, you're starting to yell a lot. Like, you know, not that I'm not saying I'm perfect. Like I still yell at them. <laughs> I mean, they still drive me crazy, but like, I try to catch myself like, okay, like I need to stop or I need to leave the room because I'm starting to, you know, not let it go. And it's hard. Cause I feel like you just, once you start, you know, yelling or getting, you know, you want to get your point across, but I just now try to walk away or he'll just be like, okay, you need to go upstairs. Like, that's enough. (laughs) Or like, same with him. Like if I catch him, I'm like, okay, like, you know, you're kind of, you've said, you've said, said a a bunch of times, like you need to leave. So we just try to catch each other, but it's hard. It's hard to do in the moment when you, you know, have kids screaming and meltdowns and it's hard. Yeah. You learned what love was by yelling parents. So just remember that, which means how when you are yelling, your body thinks you're loving your children, but you get to break that cycle. And remember, when you are yelling, it's the little girl inside of you that's shouting now because she has the authority to do so now. Right. Yeah. And so it's you going when you want to yell, going to your inner child, that girl inside of you and saying, I love you. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Because that's who's really wanting attention when you're yelling. It's not even about the kids at the end of the day. The the yelling usually comes from the stressors in the background. Mm-hmm. We yell at the kids, but that's because we're going to be late. And they need to get their shoes on. And they need this. But it's not really about your kids. It's usually about these other outside things that are occurring or happening. And the yelling is how the, the little girl inside of you is showing love, but also she's not been loved. So you have to go love on her. So when you're taking that moment of time out for yourself, go love on her because that's who's mm-hmm. needing the love. And when you can teach yourself that love, that inner child, that little girl who needed that love in those moments of your life, especially when your parents didn't say, I love you, then that's when you can give it to your children from a full heart 
versus mm-hmm. from that emptiness or not emptiness, but not necessarily full authenticity to your kids. Right. Yeah. And I feel like this is going to be a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, like this might be a part um, one and two. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. Like, have a take two. I mean, when it comes to parenting, like, oh my gosh, like it lights up my passion when this conversation is just like everything to me. Um, yeah, so we're going to have to bring you back because I think we talked about like maybe doing season three more family focused. And I feel like this mm-hmm. would be such a great um, like discussion point. So, yeah, and there's just so many I'd layers. Love about, about, I, yeah, I'd love to talk about relationships, too, after uh, yeah. and stuff, too, because our partners and spouses, they all have their own trauma and wounds, too. And um, this is like besides the point of this whole thing. So cut this out. But um, we marry someone that reminds us of our triggers that's who we're attracted to because that's what we learned what love was from our parents like multi-directionally yes 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 yes. i feel offended thinking (laughs) it does go both ways but it's just the body naturally gravitates to someone that triggers you because that's the trigger is like your parents how they taught you what love was and so as a as a relationship if you haven't done the work yet the healing work Sometimes you end up with the wrong partner or sometimes you guys both have to evolve and change together as you're healing through this work. My husband and I had to do the healing work together. I was doing it and then he caught on and he was like, something's different about her. Very different. Our whole relationship changed 20,000 times better. Our marriage is stronger than ever. And we've been married 16 years and five kids. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a whole other topic, but I'd love to talk about <laughs> yes, it. I'd love to talk about yes, it. I'd love to hear about that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So um, I don't want to like cut off this momentum, but I do want to refocus it towards, um, I don't even know where we are in our notes at this point because I'm just so captivated <laughs> by the conversation. No idea. <laughs> but go um, Something that you had like touched on and something that I work with like, postpartum clients as well and something that we've taught we've had like other postpartum clients or postpartum experts on um as well that we've talked about is a lot of times moms think things that are just like they think things are normal things to be happening during postpartum so whether that's we have had like a pelvic floor therapist on and something I work with my clients on, like that think it's just like normal that I'm peeing my pants after pregnancy or having babies or whatever. But a big thing is like, yes, it's something that's common, but just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. So I feel like that's mm-hmm. like with the depression and anxiety, moms tend to think like, like you said, had said earlier, oh, this is just like, a normal part of postpartum. So supposed is to that, yeah, like, is that the reason you think a lot of moms don't seek out help and also something else that like both you and Aaron talked about is that um, you guys kind of both like recognize this because of social media, which is kind of crazy, like, that it has to be social media is where you're realizing you have it and not like your doctors or things like so I know that was like okay kind of what a was lot, the question there I was like so, <laughs> so basically is like why do you think moms don't seek out support and you know is there anything you think 
they should be doing or, you know, things that could be done differently? What should they, what should they be doing? Yeah. I think the number one word is shame. Um, shame holds us back from moving forward to get the help we need, get the support we need, whether that's even like pelvic floor therapy. They're like, why would I need that? My mom didn't have that. This didn't have that, you know? So I think it's shame. Um, but also, getting support and help, especially with the mental health part, it comes down to you uh, admitting to yourself that you need help and support. And as a mother, you're supposed to be taking care of this baby and your children. And the last thing you want is to feel like you need to take care of yourself or that you're broken because you think your children are going to see this broken side of you, but they don't see that. (laughs) They don't see that. They're actually pretty amazing at nurturing us and loving us. And a lot of the other like Other things are, of course, finances, um, feeling like they have lack of time, um, feeling like it's one more thing on the list when they're already so overwhelmed and anxious. And I love hearing that because I always respond with, but what if it gave you more time and less anxiousness? (laughs) And so it's one of those things that, yeah, it's a sacrifice to show up for yourself and to do an hour of therapy or an hour of coaching or whatever it may be. Um, or even going out to a friend, you know, with lunch, that's therapy in itself is going to talk to a friend that you trust and someone that who can relate with you, but not try to give you advice, so to speak. Um, you just want someone to comfort you and love you and hear you out versus maybe needing that advice. Um, that could be your mom or whomever. Um, but that is why I feel like we like hold back ourselves is that fear of being seen. Because it's natural. As humans, we were born and made to fit in, to to be safe. And I don't know if you know about elephants, but elephants herd together to stay safe. And as humans, we're always trying to find a group or to fit in somewhere so that we feel safe in this world that feels big and scary. And so when we have this fear of us not fitting in or that we're different or that something's wrong with us, the last thing we want to do is fully be seen that we're broken. It's almost like there's comfort and discomfort. Like you'd rather hold on to the devil, you know, than like break out of that zone, do the work that caused or like can fix the discomfort. I don't know. I know I feel that too. Like, like I know there's things I need to work on, but it's like the other thing on another thing on the to do list. I'm comfortable with the discomfort, so it's like how about you guys though? Like dismiss it. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. Yeah. Social media is amazing. And that's how we even learned about our mental health and postpartum depression, anxiety and things like that. But it's also, it's really hard because we're comparing ourselves to other moms and we're comparing ourselves to what they're doing for their postpartum. Oh my gosh, she's already out. It's only been two weeks. I, I can barely get out of this diaper, you know, like that comparison and patriarch and our society and in general is still trying to catch on to what mothers need in the United States of America. So many other countries, they have, like in Japan, they get a whole year off from maternity leave. <laughs> wow. Okay, like they have in Europe, they have like these nurses that come in for months and weeks to tend to the baby and to support the mother. Like there's so much support for the mother and we aren't getting that. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, we don't have support. We go to the doctor, the doctor hands us medicine and I'm like, but something tells us to do more. Yeah. Back to work, do more. more, (laughs) And and I feel like we're being, it's slowly, like I said, slowly 
the advocating that's happening, me being a part of that story, but it's like, it's slowly coming into like, oh, women need more time. But at the same time, so many more women are working and becoming CEOs. And so it's just like double cross of like, wait, you women, we want to work and we want to be these like high women, but we also want to be mothers and we also need time off, but then we want to work. So it's like this weird, like, how does all that mesh? How does all that how does mothers get the support they need, but also be able to work and live the American dream? What does that look like? So. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I so don't know. <laughs> and I think that comes down to you advocating yourself and getting the support that you need, especially right now when that is not available. It's not a part of our healthcare plan for you to get a postpartum doula or to have a night nurse or whatever it is like that is not a part of our society. So it's like truly you advocating yourself and coming forward and getting the support that you need and not being afraid. Just don't be afraid to just go for it and really do what's best for you and your baby and your family. Love it. Um, I know when we were talking a bit back and forth before, before we got on, you had mentioned how you work with not only like newly postpartum women, but more seasoned moms. Can you talk a little bit more about that um and also do you ever work with like women who are currently pregnant like getting them prepared for postpartum yeah yeah so i work with pregnant and postpartum but postpartum doesn't necessarily mean a time um period a lot fourth trimester is that time period of like deep in the thick of everything. They call it the fourth trimester, but postpartum just means any time after you've had a baby. Um, so yes, it's definitely pregnant. Um, what that looks like is doing the deep healing work. Most of them already have anxiety or depression. So they come to me like looking for answers already. Um, and then I also can do, of course, prep work for that because we all have trauma to heal. <laughs> everybody um and then there's the pregnant the postpartum and um like i said i also work with fathers who are struggling with the adjustment in their relationship um and their couples also together trying to figure out baby because i mean we all know that what that first year looks like after having a baby <laughs> so with your relationship so we do a lot of that too but yeah i help uh season moms season just means some of them come to me and they're like i have a two-year-old or a three-year-old that could you can you still work with me i'm like absolutely Absolutely. Because whatever you're feeling, maybe it's not postpartum that first like four to 12 weeks after baby, but you still have lingering depression or anxiety from your baby that's still coming through and coming and occurring and happening. And like I said, it can last up to seven years. So yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful thing to like unwind the trauma before you bring life into the world. But like for me, I think I just accepted my anxiety or whatever as just normal and how I'm supposed to live my life. It wasn't until like having kids that like I started noticing it on a different level. And that's when I was like tapped into it. But had I like had that realization before I had kids and started doing the work, maybe that would have changed my postpartum experience. Yeah, absolutely. And same, I was the same as you. I didn't even know I had anxiety and depression. And I have pinpointed it back to when I was 10 years old. Finally, I found that deep root of where my anxiety fully started. Um, yes, I had it in my childhood some, but it was when I was 10 years old that it fully began for me. Um, but I just thought I was, it was just normal. I was just normal living my life. It wasn't until I had kids that I noticed the shift in the 
the how bad you know like how bad it was for me and that anxiety and depression so i had no clue i had no clue and then after three babies i still had no clue then i started figuring something out i'm like you just put your baby to sleep by itself in another room because like that was one of my fears was my baby stopped breathing like i had super anxiety so they had to be sleeping next to me for a long time so just little things like that where i started noticing like something is off with me <laughs> and not just that like i had so much resentment towards my husband and anger and rage. Um, and then to my two-year-old, then I had, you know, my little kids screaming at four-year-olds is probably not actually appropriate or even okay. So just things like that, where I started catching on that. First of all, a lot of my clients and myself will say this too, it's like, I don't want to be like my mom. <laughs> That's what actually starts happening. You start noticing the tendencies of your parents and yourself. And it's not because we don't love them. It's just like certain qualities of your parents you love and certain qualities you don't love. And so a lot of the healing work comes with the emancipation from our parents emotionally. And then you can actually create the beliefs and values that you truly want and then instill those within yourself, within your kids. And then you can move forward um, with the healing. So a lot of that is boundary setting. A lot of that looks like truly like your beliefs and being able to tell your mom, hey, I love you, but I want to do this, this, and this, you know, just little or your things mother like in law. <laughs> or mother-in-law, whoever it is. <laughs> love that, that's a whole other topic. We have, too. We've got boundaries. <laughs> so those boundaries. Um, and so that, yeah. So a lot of it is that we call it in the coaching world when you're going through the healing process, it's an awakening because it truly awakens your soul and your consciousness on another level. Cause you're like, holy crap, I've been doing that my whole life. I had no idea. You know, you have a lot of these epiphanies, these, a lot of these moments where it's like, who am I? So then you kind of this moment, who am I? But then you refine yourself through motherhood. And that's what I specialize in as a postpartum coach. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of just like unlocks yourself. Then you got to deal with it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Chassie, you had mentioned something about nursing, which I, I don't think I knew, like when you stopped nursing and maybe I did and I just don't, I nursed each one of my girls for yeah. about a year and I'm, I just, I don't see any end in sight with this last one. And I don't know if it's cause she's my last one. Like just, you know, probably want to do it till she's in college. No, not really, but <laughs> it feels that way. Cause I'm like, there's no end in sight. Um, but yeah. So what did you say? Like when you stopped, then it's like a new yeah. Like, does it trigger like those postpartum? Yeah, absolutely. Again, or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I would recommend whenever you do wean off, wean her off is giving yourself so much love and grace for two weeks because you are going to feel an adjustment. And a lot of times we blame that. And of course, before your period and other times, like we track, track our cycles because that sometimes we feel more intrusive thoughts right before your period and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but you are going to feel a shift in yourself and you're going to I mean, it's an identity shift again. I mean, you're not attached to this baby's not attached to you anymore. And it's like, I'm myself again by myself. And I'm, it's, it's a night. So it's really hard for the brain and the body to adjust to that. And so yeah. it's a lot of love and grace through those two weeks as your hormones readjust up to many months after that. But those first two weeks is when you'll actually feel it and notice it within your body. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I feel like even like independent of nursing, I remember when Zane, my younger one, turned one or leading up to it, I just had this like surge of big feelings, I'll call it. I don't know how I want to classify them, but it was like, for me, I had spent the last three years pregnant 
or mothering an infant. And it was like, that was the milestone where it was like, my life was about to shift. Now I was mothering toddlers. Mm -hmm. And it was like, like that chapter closing or like, it was just like, that was my life for three straight years. And it was just a, a really, really hard thing to digest. And I don't, I feel like I'm still working through that. Like yeah. I still do want a third kid. My husband absolutely does not. So like, that's something I'm coping with every day. And I feel like that only like piles on to the feelings that you know, I already have. Um, so yeah, it's a journey. Yeah. Every season brings on grief and and that grief is real and it's strong. When every time I was done breastfeeding my babies, it was like the most horrific thing. <laughs> it was torture to my soul because I was, I, it, it broke me and the grief was so heavy and hard. But what is the coolest part about grief? That means that we loved whatever we were doing or that person. And we have to remember when we're feeling that grief with that love and grace for ourselves, we're like, I am so thankful that I get to experience love because now I know how deeply I can love and this the grief feels heavier because you've loved deeper your babies mm -hmm. now so the, the 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 deeper you go into your soul and those emotions the deeper you feel pain the higher joy and love that you're going to feel in your life mm -hmm. but it's surviving the pain and that's mm -hmm. why so many people can't survive the pain because it's too painful because it truly breaks the heart but you can heal. Our bodies are so powerful and so amazing. And it's the grace and love that we get to give ourselves when we're going yeah. to motherhood. Yeah. That was like really beautifully said. I think the finality of anything is just hard too. Like, you know, like this is the last time I'm for me that I'm going to be celebrating like my first birthday and that like planning my own. And I don't know, it's just. And even when you can like rationalize, like, but I have God willing so much to look forward to. Like it's that disconnect between heart and mind where it's like, logically I know. Yeah. But yeah it's still hard. Connection's not there. Yeah. And I like my, it. my husband's kind of opposite of yours, Aaron. Like he wanted a fourth. And I was like, well, like, I cannot, like, I cannot have a four C-sec. And then I'm like, well, what if, you know, and then I got my tubes removed. And I'm like, what if, like, I did, like, like, oh, like, she was, like, so, such a great baby. I'm like, what if, oh, did I do that right? I mean, I can't go back, but it's just, it's hard. Cause then I, but I can't do the what if game, but, you know, because he's always like, she's so great. We could have had another one. And he says it, like, jokingly. Or like, she's the grand finale and yeah. he went out <laughs> like, I knew we needed an, e an easy one, so we gave yeah. an easy one. But, but no, it's, I mean, we've talked about, like, maybe maybe adopting, like, in the future, like, a, a boy would be nice. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that's, like, I don't know. There's some days that I'm like, nope, I'm good. Like, three is great. <laughs> so... But other days, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Could have done another one, but maybe not. Yeah. Today was not one of those days that I could have done another <laughs> one. <laughs> Do you, so one of the biggest things that drives me in this work is my own grief of not being able to be, to enjoy my postpartums. None of them. <laughs> I'm going to cry. And I always wanted a six baby, but my husband was done at five. And it's taken me my little one's almost four, like a long time. I still grieve 
not having one more baby, but selfishly, I wanted to have one more baby because now I have the tools to actually enjoy my postpartum mm -hmm. and actually remember those babies and their beautiful innocence and love. And all I have is some pictures, thank goodness, and a couple of videos. And I'm just so grateful I have those because I truly don't remember half of it. Mm -hmm. And so I just wish I could go back and like hold them again and love mm -hmm. them. And now I get to give this gift to moms is remembering their babies at a younger age and um being able to like go through life and be like i did so damn good yeah <laughs> my best and truly believe that yeah and i don't know your postpartum history but i'm sure you i'm sure you did rock it as a mom <sighs> after your newborns and they High functioning anxiety and depression. <laughs> well, I but I feel like they don't know any like babies, no. newborn. But they don't know any different. Oh no, no. So, and they're getting the absolute best of you now. Yeah. And seeing yeah. What you're like the gift that you're giving the rest of the world. And thank you. Yeah, and you said you have like, five, five girls. So I mean, they have. I mean, think of what you're. I mean, not that you can't show your son, but like you're showing your daughters. You know, like yeah, how much of a help you can be to other women, and I think. That's, you know, that's why I wanted to help myself, too, because I have, like, I have three, three girls, you know, that are looking up to me, and I want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and trying to be my best self for them moving forward. Yeah, my 12-year-old's in middle school, which we all know what that's like, and seventh grade, and she's, she thanks me every day that I'm a coach so that I can Aww. help her with oh her anxiety, gosh. she's severe anxiety. And guess what? I know I caused half of that anxiety, if not more, because they get it ages zero to seven and she's my first, right? She's my trial baby. She's my, I'm a new mom. I have no idea, idea what I'm doing. And she's gotten the bunt of all the traumas and the pain that I had on her. And I'm having to reverse that now. We're taking out the people pleasing. We're taking out the perfectionism. We're taking out... Um, that I don't believe in myself or I'm this horrible person. Like she creates all these stories, these intrusive thoughts. And so I have to coach her on a daily basis. And if anything came out of coaching, if any of my healing myself, it's being able to be the best mom to my kids and being able to give them these tools also to them. You're doing that for her when she's 12 versus us at 35. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like you're yeah. allowing her a life of like yeah. freedom, mental freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And lightness that she wouldn't have had otherwise so and I just, just call that. this conscious parenting I don't call it you know I think it's just conscious parenting I'm conscious of myself in every action mm -hmm. and I and if I do miss something I can look back and be, I'm conscious of exactly what's happening when it's happening and sometimes I can't fully get a hold of my anger or whatever but I can repair like I mentioned to you guys so I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it versus just mm -hmm. like that guilt and shame and hate towards myself yeah yeah I feel like my first like she's seven so I feel like she was like my trial baby too where I didn't know what I was doing and <laughs> like I went through so many life changes like I stopped teaching and you know just so much stuff with her specifically so yeah I hope that she's a teenager that she'll be okay but trying to like will be tune into it now and yeah. And I, yeah. I just say, if my kids need therapy, that's okay. I'll pay for it because I yeah. did my best. It's not w if you're going to hurt them, it's when. So it's yeah. like, 
You know, and I was going to talk about like each of our babies come to this world with different sensitivities of emotions. That's why we all have the same childhood or possibly the same childhood and the same siblings, but we all felt different about that experience or whatever is because we all came to this world differently. So you're going to mother, parent, each child differently. And so one child will feel it a certain way and another one won't won't be, you know, feel it that way. So it's just interesting to those different dynamics to remember like, I'm going to mess up one of them at some point somehow. So not mess them up, but, you know, like hurt them in some way and me not being able to emotionally support them when they needed it. So I'll pay for it gladly. Yeah. I'm not perfect. <laughs> no, and I feel like I'll have to tell Emma, like my middle, well, poor middle child, sorry, middle child. <laughs> like what I have to tell her, like, I'm so sorry. Like mommy, you know, like when she's older, like mommy just wasn't at her best. Like, you know, when, you were a baby and I don't I don't know I mean I just feel like I'm just I just don't remember anything and I look at pictures and I'm like I still don't remember that <laughs> but I think yeah. there was just such a fog you know over me that yeah and then COVID of course didn't help but yeah she's kind of a COVID baby I mean your kiddos your kiddos are young too Shelby and Aaron so you guys I think yeah Ari was born like a- March 4th and then the world shut down 10 oh days God. later yeah. so like he was born so you were like I was right. fortunate enough to have like a normal delivery um oh whereas like people that had their babies three weeks later or had like a very yeah. different yeah. situation but yeah and I think that that a lot of that probably brought to light the anxiety faster and like more mm-hmm. intensely than I maybe it would have in a, another way but also I'm kind of grateful for it yeah so yeah, I had my last baby July 2020. So That's I was right in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like a different world now. But I know. I know. So like, how is that real? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Still can't believe it. Still can't. Believe it. And like being like on, you know, uh, maternity leave, I was like in my own bubble anyway. And then there were yeah. like more people in the bubble, but I just couldn't be with them and then I couldn't see that. Like, it was just like weird. Like, I feel like, my life would have been the same in terms of like, you know, being home and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, it was just, oh, just such a weird time. Yeah. But, Crazy time. Oh man. Oh days. <laughs> I feel like this has been so good. <laughs> so um, good. And I like, we do need a part two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what are just like some final tips you can leave for new moms, seasoned moms of anyone that might be struggling with or think they might be struggling with anxiety or depression? Yeah. First thing is know that it's not your fault and you've done nothing wrong. You've done absolutely nothing wrong. Second thing is anytime you're feeling a strong emotion, tell yourself to slow down tell your brain to slow down when you can slow it all down you're able to understand more of like what's happening and you can take those deep breaths and just slow it down and when you're you know at night in the middle of the night and the last thing you want to do is be up with your baby breastfeeding again you're so exhausted tell yourself to slow down and what we're doing is just bringing you back to present moment it's just telling your brain oh yeah okay this is where i'm at and i'm actually okay i'm i'm alive i'm surviving i'm doing great so slow everything down know that none of this was your fault you haven't done anything wrong and to really give yourself love and grace and if you're not sure how to do that go and seek support to to learn how to do that because you all deserve it so on that note 
can you please tell us exactly where we can find you, um, how myself and our listeners can work with you? Yeah. So my main place to find me right now is Instagram at the postpartum nanny, all lowercase, all together. And um, I do have a new website coming up in like a month, but I'm not even going to announce that. But just go to my IG and I'm also on TikTok at the postpartum nanny. Um, So just find me there. And if you want to reach out, DM me on Instagram or you can message me or email me at chastycox at gmail.com. You'll be hearing from me shortly. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. Oh my goodness. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for being raw and honest. It means so much to us to have you on this journey. And together, we hope we can make mom life a little bit easier for you one episode at a time. As always, never hesitate to DM us on Instagram at Mom Tales and Cocktails Podcast with your mom tales. And don't forget to follow here. And we will see you on the next episode.